Good evening. Glad you've joined us for our Wednesday night Bible study and devotion. Also our Wednesday night prayer time. Uh, we are continuing in our study of the Sermon on the Mount and uh, the Beatitudes. And so we're going to be doing Beatitude number 7 tonight. Uh, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and grab those. And we're going to be looking in Matthew uh, chapter 5 at verse 9 tonight. So tonight's Beatitude is uh, Blessed are the Peacemakers. And uh, the verse is Matthew 5, 9. The picture will show up on the screen here in just a moment. Um, Matthew 5, 9. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. I want to remember, remind you again what a beatitude is. It's a, it's a New Testament style proverb. It talks about um, the way the kingdom of God operates and the kinds of values and the kinds of attitudes that uh, are uh, functioning in the kingdom of God. And in the, the Lord's Prayer, Jesus taught us to pray that God's kingdom would come on earth and that his will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so while we await the return of Christ and the establishment of the kingdom of God on earth by Jesus himself, the, uh, we need to learn to practice. The, the values and the attitudes and the, the kinds of characteristics that display uh, in heaven uh, regarding how the kingdom of God operates. So this evening we're looking at uh, this beatitude, blessed are the uh, peacemakers. I uh, want to remind you again that a beatitude is, it promises a blessing and blessing means more than just the, the emotion of happiness. It is a, it is a good emotion is a pleasant emotion just like happiness is but it is not uh, based on circumstances it's not based on chance it exists regardless of those circumstances and it is a unique pleasant experience a unique blessing uh, that is um, the result of us being in obedience to uh, the will of God in our life so let's begin tonight with the uh, the meaning of this uh, beatitude we want to look at the meaning of what it means to be a peacemaker. So that's a hyphenated word in the English. Uh, it's two different words in the Greek, and uh, but we're going, to, we're going to break that down for you this evening. Uh, peace is a very common word in the Bible. Uh, the in Hebrew, it is the Hebrew word shalom. Very, we're familiar with that one. In um, the Greek, it is the Greek word irene. And so, uh, very common, it is used uh, all the time. Um, so we need to understand what uh, peacemaking is and we need to understand what peace means. Peace means more than just the absence of trouble uh, or more than just a feeling of uh, contentment. Uh, when, when it's used most often, it is, a, it is a term that is describing a condition and so, uh, it literally means that peace means everything which makes for man's highest good. Anything that, uh, that uh, occurs, anything that is done to reach the highest good in man, for him to experience the highest good, that is a peaceful kind of activity and a peaceful kind of desire. So peace means the everything, anything that reaches for the highest good. And so here we have a, a, 
a, uh, a quality or an action that involves uh, attaining and striving for what is best and what is the highest good. But the, the blessing is, is, is said is to be blessed are the peacemakers. Now, we need to really unpack this one a little bit because a peacemaker uh, is a specific set of words that are used. And the blessing that is promised here uh, is on the, what the Bible calls a peacemaker as opposed to the peacekeeper or a peace-loving person. Now, none of those terms are bad terms. Peacemaking, peace-loving, peacekeeping, those are not bad terms. But in, in, in the context of what this, this beatitude is talking about, we need to understand the difference. Uh, peace-loving and peacekeeping um, may not be the best for the, or trying to reach the highest good. In fact, we have seen at times that, that in peacekeeping and peace-loving, uh, sometimes those activities will cause more problems than they solve. Uh, and primarily the reason is, is because a person who is a peacekeeper will peace at all cost. You've heard of those kinds of terms, peace at all cost. Uh, they will avoid doing the necessary confrontations. They will avoid taking the necessary risks that would be involved in making peace versus just keeping the peace. Now we have examples of this in history. Um, in the 20th century, in the, in the 1930s, when Adolf Hitler was coming to power, there were people who recognized that this was a, was a warrior guy, that he was a dangerous guy, uh, that he was not, he kept talking peace and he kept saying that he was a peaceful man, but everything about his character um, told a different story, that he was not a peaceful man. And there were some in the leaders in the world who recognized that. So at the time, when Hitler was coming to power and he was uh, expanding Germany and, and uh, taking over places like Czechoslovakia and, and, and those kinds of places, um, Neville Chamberlain, was the Prime Minister of Great Britain. And Neville Chamberlain was a peaceful man. In fact, he was a peacekeeper. And he traveled to Europe and he had he met with Hitler and they had this drew up this agreement where Hitler signed a piece of paper that said that he had that, that if he could have Czechoslovakia, uh, that he would make no further territorial demands in Europe. And there's a famous newsreel where Neville Chamberlain, the Prime Minister of Great Britain, has flown back to London and he's waving the piece of paper and he, he announces that an agreement had been reached and that what we have here is the assurance of peace in our time. And um, immediately Adolf Hitler broke that piece of paper and invaded Poland, which started World War II. Now Neville Chamberlain was a good man. He was a noble man. He was a he was a man who was interested in peace, but he was a peacekeeper, and he did not recognize the necessity of standing up to a bully, even if it meant that you were risking war. So after Neville Chamberlain, uh, then and Hitler continued to expand and and take over. Essentially, he, when he invaded Poland, 
that forced uh, Great Britain and France into a declared war against France. So Neville Chamberlain re resigned and he was replaced with Winston Churchill. And Winston Churchill um, recognized Adolf Hitler for who he was and what he was and that he was an evil man and that he had to be stopped and, and that it was going to be uh, that there's going to be a war as a result of it. But history has proven that that as a peacemaker, Winston Churchill and the other world leaders that were involved in the various warring powers of World War II, especially on the Allied side, uh, history has recognized them as fighting World War II for a greater good, to do something very, um, very bad, very unpleasant, very destructive, but that it was necessary to prevent a greater evil. And so, historically, you have the example of a peacemaker in Winston Churchill versus a peacekeeper in Neville Chamberlain. The, um, now, a peacemaker, again, is one who is going to strive for the greatest good. And so we have, we have another example in maybe more modern day um, uh, times. The, uh, during the 1960s, we had the Civil Rights Movement. A lot of stress, a lot of unpopularity, a lot of conflict, a lot of uh, attitudes and things that were bad. And you had civil rights leaders. You had the, the fellow named Martin Luther King. And he was, a, he was a preacher, Baptist preacher, but he became an activist for civil rights. Now in the Deep South, he was not very highly regarded. But he espoused a movement that would give minorities, specifically black people, uh, civil rights. And he espoused a movement that would do that and, and uh, there was demonstrations and there was things that, that went on that were very, very violent. Um, folks of my generation, I can remember the civil rights movement very, very clearly and, and the, the, the awful demonstrations and the awful brutality that was put toward the demonstrators and terrible things took place. But history has now recognized that, uh, that there was a greater good that was involved, that it was the kinds of prejudices and the kinds of discrimination and those kinds of things that were going on needed to change, and there has been a greater good that came out of it. And history has, has written and has demonstrated that Martin Luther King was a peacemaker, even though that there was uh, confrontation and even though there was difficulty in the process. And so we have also, not everybody was nonviolent during that time. And so we have another character uh, that came up that was uh, also part of that time that had a very different philosophy. And his name was Malcolm X. Now Malcolm X was the leader of an organization called the Black Panthers. And he advocated violent uh, confrontation. And um, they basically it was a what today we would call the Black Panthers a terrorist organization. So you had two black leaders. You had Martin Luther King and you had, you had Malcolm X. Martin Luther King history has, has regarded as a peacemaker because he worked for the greatest good. Malcolm X died violently. Nobody ever really pays much attention to Malcolm X or the Black Panthers anymore uh, because he had a reputation of not being a peacemaker but being a violent person. The, a lot of what's going on today with, with the demonstrations, you, we, we can ask ourselves, are those that are demonstrating and those that are doing the, the kinds of things that are very disturbing 
as we watch on TV. Are these people advocating peace? They may be, but are they peacemakers? Because are they striving for the highest good? Or are they striving for violence and anarchy? Uh, this beatitude gives us a benchmark and a, and a standard by which we can say, is this a peacemaking effort or is it not? And are the people that are leading this, are they making peace or seeking after the greatest, highest good for everybody? Or are they not? Because that's, that's the, the standard, that is the, the benchmark that this beatitude allows us to place on circumstances. Uh, a peacemaker is one who strives for the highest good, even if it involves some confrontation and difficult times. So blessed are the peacemakers, because if a person is a peacemaker, then the, the blessing uh, promises that they will be called the sons of God. Now, in the King James Version, uh, that term there is translated children of God, but actually it is, a, it is better translated sons of God. Now, Jesus did not speak Greek. He was speaking Aramaic. And so what we need to understand is, is that the, the, the term sons of something uh, is, a, is a very common expression in Hebrew and Aramaic. The Hebrew language is not nearly as descriptive as the Greek language. And so they don't have as many adjectives and they don't have as many adverbs that talk about uh, descriptive types of, of, of terms that draw a mental picture of what, of what is being described. But one of the terms that they do use is son of or daughter of something. Okay, for instance, we have uh, a, 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 a son of peace would be describing a peaceful person. Uh, Barnabas, New Testament character Barnabas, his name meant son of encouragement. So Barnabas was a man of encouragement. He, he, his nickname uh, actually was Barnabas and he, he was called son of encouragement. Um, the angel that appeared to Mary to announce the birth of Jesus uh, said he, uh, his, he, he will be called the Son of God. And that, that Hebrew expression, uh, today we, we attach a lot more meaning uh, to that because the New Testament doctrines of the Incarnation have its roots in that very thing. But, the, but Jesus was proclaimed to be the Son, not plural, not sons, but Son of God. So that meant that uh, he was God in the flesh, God becoming man. It was that very name, it was that very title that the uh, religious authorities and the Jews wanted to crucify Jesus for because they said right there in the Gospel of John when he, they're accusing him of, of uh, being, being a, a um, blasphemer, saying that you, by calling yourself that, you are call, you're making yourself equal with God. So son of God was a term that actually was a Hebrew expression. So you have sons of God. The, the beatitude is, blessed are the peacemaker, for they shall become, be called the sons of God. Sons there is plural. And so uh, what that saying is, blessed is the peacemaker, for he will be, will be recognized as a person who does godly things. Sons of God. A peacemaker is going to be engaged in the very work that, that the God of peace is involved with. Uh, there's some scriptures coming up on the screen, Romans uh, 15, 33, 2 Corinthians 13, etc. We won't take time to turn there, but in those verses, 
God is identified as a God or the God of peace. And so a peacemaker is involved in a, in a activity or a work that reflects the very activity of God. So the meaning of sons of God is it, it reflects a, a very common uh, Hebrew theme of Jewish rabbis. And it means the noblest task which one can perform is to establish right relationships between man and man as well as man and God. A peacemaker is working for the highest good. Right relationships, right understandings of how a person is to relate to uh, to God himself. So blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. So the, the seventh beatitude could read like this. O oh, the bliss of those who seek everything which makes for the for man's highest good and who produce right relationships between people for it will be recognized that they are doing a very godly work blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called the sons of god we're going to be uh continuing with our study of the beatitudes for a couple more weeks but uh during this pandemic time, what, one of the things that we're doing is that we're trying to determine how we're going to move our church forward as far as the, the ministry activities that we have typically done in the past. And one of those things is um, how to reopen Sunday school or um, age group ministries and those kinds of things. And so you'll be hearing more and more about this over the next several weeks, but one of the things that uh, Brother Gary introduced last Sunday, and that I, I'm going to talk about tonight. Uh, we are all we we are interested in forming uh, discipleship groups, um, and if if you'd be interested in joining one of these groups, if you can contact the church office, contact Pam, uh, and we we're going to be we're we're collecting those folks that have expressed interest, and be forming these groups pretty soon. But one of the things that toward this end that we're going to be doing is using Wednesday nights as a platform for these discipleship or uh, for a discipleship type group. Um, there's a there's a, a, a picture coming up on your screen, and this is the D Life New Testament Journal. This is the the study guide or the book that we're going to be using uh, in these discipleship groups. And so, if you would like to know more about perhaps participating in this. Uh, then we're going to make that information available to you, and I'll, I'll tell you more how to do that in just a moment. Essentially, what we're going to be doing with these discipleship groups is that in this journal, uh, there, there's five days, uh, five Bible studies each week, and then uh, groups will get together and uh, practice and pray together and support each other in applying those things in their life. On Wednesday nights, I'm going to be taking our Bible studies out of one of those uh, Bible studies each week. This journal has a is, has Bible studies for 52 weeks, one entire year. And uh, if you'd like to be part of a discipleship group that that meets virtually on Wednesday nights, then uh, we're, that's how we're going to be using Wednesday night devotion activity as well as our prayer time and those kinds of things uh, to uh, participate in a in a online discipleship group. If you'd be interested in something like that, uh, I'm asking you to, to give uh, Pam a call and give her your name, and I will call you back and explain to you more thoroughly exactly how this is going to, going to work. 
but uh, it would give you an opportunity to have your daily quiet time and a Bible study time as part of a larger group uh, without necessarily having to physically meet with that group every week. We understand that there are some issues involved with folks who can't, uh, from a safety standpoint, health standpoint, meet in, in groups, but you can participate in a, in a discipleship group that we will use Wednesday night and our Wednesday night prayer time and Bible study as a time to, to um, uh, hold each other accountable and to study these Bible study lessons. So if that's something you'd be interested in, um, uh, call Pam at the church office, give her your name that, you, that you're interested in learning more about a Wednesday night discipleship group that will be, um, be we'll use our Wednesday night prayer time and our Wednesday night devotion uh, as, our, as our group meeting. Give Pam a call on that and uh, we'll, I'll explain more about that and how to get the material to you. All right, well, we're glad that you joined us tonight. Hope to see, uh, hope to see you again soon. If you have interest in this Dis Disciple Life uh, group meeting on Wednesday nights uh, together, um, give me a call, and we'll see you later. Bye-bye.